Welcome, Philip Taggart, artist, journalist, Radio 1, DJ, author, podcaster, all-round top <laughs> lad. Do you know what? That was as smooth as I ever done it. And you know why? Proud of that, because you are a man of smoothness. You know the airwaves better than anyone out there, and especially me. <laughs> You're most welcome, Phil. You've got, you've got high off my osmosis. I'm telling you. You just walked in and there was just an aura and the steam just... Whoosh. You just knew exactly what you were doing. Like, your, your broadcast, like... Uh, Went up by about twenty percent. Well, there, there's a there's a, you know, as, as a twenty percent fog of invisibility. <laughs> so good people. So Fully, um, I know you from as I say a long time back. But you were originally born in Derry. Aye, was Derry. Uh, and then you moved to Oma. Uh-huh. Drum rah, is that right? Drum rah, yeah. <laughs> You've done your research on and, this. Uh, uh, so uh, this is your life. <laughs> <This is laughs> so drum rah, right? So what was that like growing up and drum rah, moving from Derry? What age were you then? I mean, like the, 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 only, the only reason I was born in Derry is because I was so impatient that I, I, I couldn't stay in the womb for longer than I needed to. Like I was uh, about two and a half months premature and I've, I've, I've held that like level of impatience my whole life. So you just uh, wanted to run out there quick? Get, get straight out there uh, and get, get into it and get like, see, see what's happening in the world. Like, Mama, throw me out into the world. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. I was born with, a, born with a briefcase and a cigar. Like I was like, right, let's go. Let's do this. It's Phil. Let's, it's Phil from Oma. Let's do this all now. So in them early days then, what so did you go to like a, a local rural primary school or was it did you uh, go into Oma for primary, you know, when you were growing up? When I when I went when I would lived out in Drumra, like I um was sort of like reared on a on a farm next door to my house. So my parents were both um both young professionals, like so like you made my dad worked for the housing executive, my ma worked um in a solicitor's firm in, in the town. And I got I got looked after during the day up until God, I don't know, 12 or 13, um, by the next door neighbor, which was a farm. So I grew up effectively on a farm and then my mum's family were from, from a farm as well. Um, so, so did you get stuck in? Did you get into the bales of hay? I got stuck into it, yeah. Was there times the bales of hay, there was a company with you? Yeah, yeah, no, no, like you, I, you were kind of allowed to like run about the, the, the land yourself. And, uh, and It's like a rural thing. It's, it? it was massively rural and there's nothing really about, like, you know, there's there's plenty, there's lots of cows. It was a dairy farm. So, you know, you knew what bits you weren't allowed to go to. You weren't allowed to go near the buyer and you weren't allowed to go into certain cow, uh, fields because there's bulls in it. Uh, and you weren't allowed to go anywhere near the, you know, all the shites pushed. Because like, what they would oh, say, what oh, they the slurry, oh, the slurry, the slurry, the slurry tank. Uh, yeah. slurry, all right, before the slurry tank, yeah. tell the people like, this is pre-slurry tank. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's like a little, it's like a little slurry silo. And like, what they, they used to scare me into, like, never go near because they would say, we boy, we boy up the road fell into it and he died, and his dad came in after him and then he died too. And then there's me about four years old here and it's going, Jesus, I'm not going anywhere near. I'm <laughs> not going anywhere put, near this. That would even put you off going to the toilet yourself. <laughs> exactly. That's why I'm. That's why I have to stand up to to, to go number two like, these days. Like, I'm I'm not, I'm not going anywhere near You're it. still seeing the grids and all. <laughs> just an illusion of the grids. That, that's well, it. For people out there, that's recycled slurry, which then goes in the grass, which then grows. Yeah, exactly. The, the and it's massively important. Like, and, you know, I, I, I spent a lot of time. I used to jump. You know, the, you, you'd get the silage and you'd bale it. And, yeah. then, and then they'd put about 20 of them in a row. Yeah. And, and that would be them. And it might, like, you know, on a particularly good year, you'd have a right few. And my, my favourite crack was me and my mate just like just leaping from them and playing wrestling on them because they're fairly soft. <laughs> oh, they're solid. Uh, they're solid they're, too. They're, they're solid, but uh, like, you know, there's a little give uh, on it. And we would just jump, do somersaults off things. Did on you ever top feel like Hercules up against it? Like, we can move this. Come on, brother. We can move this. <laughs> we, can make, we can roll this into town and make a wee bit of money. <laughs> Walk back in the house with a big flat shoulder. What were you at, son? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I mean, like, I, I had a great, great time growing up in, in, in that place. And, you know. You've seen the value 
value of, of being rural and you've seen the value of uh, people looking after their land. Aye. Which is an important thing, uh, I suppose. People out there listening to you would know you from a different place. Aye. So I suppose it's just to get into context and, where it was, you and know. Both sides as well. Like, you know, my my mum's side, they're from Edirne and, and Fermanagh, and that's a very small like uh, yeah. village. And they, they grew up on a farm outside of it. And they were beef farmers and, and sheep farmers as well. Well, and, tell uh, me, that's just as a matter of interest. Was the Fermanagh farming, you know, like cows, were they harder than the <laughs> Tyrone <laughs> cows? The, or were they, were they average out there? Well looked after, there wasn't much in between them. The Tyrone ones were Frisians, so they're a lot softer. Were well, they they're, cold? They're, no, they're, oh, they were cold. Just, oh, that's a name. That's right, Frisian heifer. The, the, the heifer the, the heifer's like a teenage cow like, uh, and then they, they become the, 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 the big cow <laughs> well it's, a, it's just a teenage cow and, uh, imagine being a teenage cow and all <laughs> trying to get a first date with another teenage cow out there in the yard like have you seen sort of snuggling going on in, in the farmyard <laughs> I just saw the one bull when he was, go, he was going through them the bull's them. the king <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't too much there wasn't too people much people should dating. know out there what a bull is and, 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 and sort of passive terms is a very good looking person isn't that right it's very much and so. has choice of many yeah <laughs> Choice of many, is, so it has. Is there a person in because the, 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 the nickname Bull is somebody that's it's given to somebody who, you know who's quite quite a big stature in every village. Uh-huh. Every village has a bull. Uh, but, it's uh, like a bull uh, tiger or a bull Glasgow. Uh, or, uh, is there a bull in Draperstown? Uh, there actually is. <laughs> What's their name? Uh, uh, Kelly's Bull Kelly. Uh, <laughs> so where, where's the one in your? What's the normal one? Well, I was up. I, I was up the Glenif Horseshoe there outside Bundorn um, a couple of weeks ago with my friend, and we were driving around. And we went up the mountain, and there's only one house in the mountain, and it has uh, a lot of Republican writing uh, on the side of it. And when we go back out, down to Bundoran, I've never seen writing on a bungalow house before. Uh. Um, and we got we got down back into Bundoran, and we got chatting to the the guy who was the 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 main sort of travel like uh, travel agent for Bundoran. He looks after everybody, and he came down and met us for a pint because we were tweeting about it. And I was like, "What? What's the crack with that house up there?" And he was like, "Have you ever seen Father Ted? You know Tom from Father Ted, <laughs> who sits on the wall with his like with his like son of shotgun, <laughs> just sort of giving evils to anybody that's going past." He was like, "That's Bull Sheridan. He doesn't like anybody going up his mountain." <laughs> <laughs> Stay off my land. <laughs> that was it. Like yeah. Uh, well, and it's funny you say that there because so I suppose getting a name like that, what you're saying the people people out there that might not understand the concept of what we're talking about that you might be ready for a fight uh, me, me, not, <laughs> not you, but the, but the ball. <laughs> the ball would be. Yeah, yeah. The, the ball's ready. For the, the ball's fight. ready. <laughs> so when you were in primary school, then you moved on the Christian Brothers. I went to the primary school, St. Colm Kills School in in Oma. Yeah, which was about about hundred meters from my granny's house it was behind the Sacred Heart yeah, Church so you, you were handy to get home for a wee snack and all well I mean I, it's amazing I wasn't a fat child because like you know it's, it's St. Colm Kill School it was right behind St, uh, the the chapel and my granny's was the other side of the chapel you go up there get a feed of chips and then you go home and get your dinner on top of that <laughs> <laughs> it just turned out there was a lot of Gaelic football played in between to sort of uh, burn, yeah. burn it all off uh, uh, well there was, there was plenty going on and you were active and uh, aye, was uh, that a stage where you were sort of involved in the GAA uh, in your young days aye the, 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 my family on the Taggart side are, are big GA um, heads like you know they've a lot of them have managed the Omas and Dendis football team and you know a lot of them play for the, the women's team and they're all active members and yeah. I played my first game of GA uh, football at under 8 or something like that for Drumraa because that's where I lived and my Taggart side of my family found this out and they drove out to my house 
couple of weeks later and they piled me in the back of the car and told me I was never playing for Drumra again and took me to Omas and Dendas training and they said that I wasn't allowed to go back and they, they drove me into training every Saturday. Did you sell out the family going to an RGA club? Oh, I didn't know. I didn't uh, know any better. Uh, uh, I didn't know any better. So they, they, they took me and I played for Omas and Dendas then for, for years and then I... I, I but see when, you, see when you were playing a match against your club that you wanted to join for the world out there, for the GAA people out there yeah. to know that they took your heart away taking you for that first club. <laughs> Do you know what? I was, I was I wasn't old enough to really understand like I, I didn't have too much of a bond for Drumrah I, uh, I, I kind of like I, I built my bond with uh, Omas and Nandis uh, yeah, you know what I mean yeah yeah and, and a very successful club uh, in they are, they are, yeah. and, and uh, they, they did great there in the All-Ireland and Great players like Conor Myler and uh, Ron O'Neill and people like that. You he, still follow it in your local aye, club? Yeah, yeah follow, follow yeah. it here and there. Because yeah. I seen there where you were uh, online where you were out searching for tickets for the, the All Ireland, which Tyrone won, and congratulations on that. Thanks very much. And, uh, I didn't do anything like that. I know. Uh, you're, part, you're part of that county anyway, aye. You know, which I'm not, and it was very hard there, but I <laughs> give aye. you all the hugs and congratulations <laughs> to the world. But did you get a ticket? No, I didn't. I didn't, oh. I, I, I didn't, look, I didn't look very, very hard out there. I. I because the last time that I watched the Tyrone in the All-Ireland Final was in 2018 and I was in a wee small um, island in Croatia. I was on holidays and I was in a wee small apartment block and I had to ask everybody in all of the eight houses to not use the internet between three and five because well, was I was trying to stream it. How was the language barrier there? Was there a few people that didn't understand well, I mean, what tr- you were saying? trying to explain GAA to like a German couple, a uh, Dutch couple, <laughs> Speak to me, no. <laughs> <laughs> So give us a wee briefing on how that worked. It's be like walking up to them and be like going... Internet, bad. <laughs> Three to five p.m. Pointing at the watch. Gaelic football, basketball, soccer, rugby. Big moment, final. Please, no. <laughs> it was something like that. So it worked out. I uh, well, I mean, we got we got whipped by Dublin, so it didn't work, didn't work out that well. <laughs> the German man was happy. Yeah, if I'd have known that, I would have just went for a dip. <laughs> so going on to the. Your secondary school to the Christian Brothers. Aye. Uh, so when you went there, I suppose um, that's where you're at now in the world of creativity. Because um, I'm aware that you were young, uh, starting uh, Colenso Parade at 16 years of age. So in, in the secondary school, was there music there? or and How do you feel about now for schools in general and the music and creative uh, delivery that's on them, you know, at the minute? And back then when you were there? We we actually started uh, started playing in a band when we were probably about fourteen, and we were called the Hot Rocks at that time. And then we became. I bet you walked around. We became, I bet you just walked around in Roma. We were the Hot Rocks. Rock, Have yeah, you got to so walk? Cool. Stand up there and show me a wee stance of a Hot Rock. Come on, stand up. <laughs> it's a power stance. It's a power stance. <laughs> there's, there's a leg across the gap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, later. A bent knee, a bent uh, knee, and one straight later. leg. Had you a wee patch or a wee split? You know. I think yeah, I still do. <laughs> <laughs> hot Rocks, just on ad break. Hot Rocks jeans, Phil Tiger. <laughs> Where can they get them? Where are you gonna get you them? Can get from? them in, in your nearest. The charity shop, I would say. <laughs> Elite charity shops. <laughs> get ready with the cash. But you're doing w- a good deed when you're getting the jeans as well. So go ahead, Paul. <laughs> but it was good. I was like, I mean, yeah, like, I think, you know, you, you were encouraged to a certain degree if you were of a certain standard. Like if you were somebody who they liked having about, then you would get encouraged. But like, I mean... I don't know if I was particularly well liked by the teachers because I was just a bit of a yap, you know. No, but, did uh, you like the crack? Did you? Did I liked, you, I liked you, the crack, and I, I was very excitable and sort of still am, really, uh, and didn't sort of didn't really 
wasn't able to root myself into study very well or wasn't able to sort of sit still for too long. And, uh, and, and you, you know what? You're, ta- you're talking about me here, but I, keep going there. That's I know, good. I know. <laughs> neither of us have lost you it. You've done a bit of research on me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go yeah, ahead. Neither of us have lost it. But it, it, it would piss them off a bit. Like, and, you know, you'd be constantly in trouble. Like, outside the, whole the way door. Outside Aye. the door. Aye. You'd be outside the door Aye. all the time. <laughs> I, like, I remember when the, before, when the band had just started, that the two boys... Um, Melly and Mickey um, walked past me three times in a day and I was kicked out of three different classes <laughs> and they were just like you should have started, this boy you should have just started rehearsing on the, on, on the, on the island well, that was it that was it so I mean when you're a young sort of lad and you want, you want to play rock music or guitar music or whatever I mean I, I don't need a I don't need a music teacher to stand behind me and tell uh, me what to do because yeah. like at that age you want to be like Kurt Cobain or you want to be yeah. like uh, Zach Della Rocco from yeah. Rage Against the Machine or something. Yeah. yeah. So and what kind of poses were you taking that at, at that stage when you were that age? I was it? just a bass player. So like I, I like uh, couldn't sing or do anything else. So the boys were like, you're, you're the bass player. And I was like watching Flea videos and things like that. And I was like going, this is actually pretty cool. Like, uh, you know, yeah. I don't mind being the bass player. Um, <laughs> you found a real cool player. And look, all over the world is fantastic bass players, as you know, and uh, and they're very much needed in a band. But the guitarists, get all, the guitarists and the vocalists get all of the praise when you're a teenager but as you grow older as a music fan you realize that the drummers and the bass players are are, are actually the rhythm which keeps it going like it's impossible to have a dance floor without the bass and the the, drums the amount of people that uh, you would have had on over the years and great musicians and your uh, what we'll get to and your little uh, the work uh, the line of work that you get into you would have met loads of musicians and you'd have probably even it would have been coming home even more so there in front of your eyes i would imagine in sessions and radio one and stuff so when you and Oma at that time, I suppose, what well, we should say to uh, to people out there, it's a rural town, uh, yeah, yeah. and for people that don't know where you're from, Phil, and it's uh, so. Was there any bands at that time that were floating around that you could have looked upon or yeah. looked to or? Yeah, there's a couple. I mean, the thing is, there was like Oma for as big as it is. Like it's a, it's about twenty thousand. Like there's about twenty thousand people in the sort of catchment area of, of Oma, maybe a little bit more now. Yeah. Um, but we had a lot of bands. Like the, yeah. the, we had like there was a website that was set up called omarocks.tk. And Stole it, your uh, first yeah. band name, and, it, and, it, <laughs> and it, used to, it used to have it used to have all of the the bands in the area on it. Yeah, and there was about twenty five. Like, they, like there was there was there was, there was absolutely tons. Well, I started putting on band nights i put my first band night on when i was 15 and where did um, you say where did you set it up at uh, i did it in the top of the town in oma because yeah. there was band nights that were happening beforehand um uh Kiel cathers and and the boys and a couple other lads um pl- were put on a gig in inf and everybody got into it except me because uh, i was like you know they were letting yeah. people in underage uh, like yeah. i mean was, they probably shouldn't have been but like i i, I was too young they were looking. Letting, they were let, for pe- good people out there they were letting people in with a, with an adult right so uh, yeah, you, yeah. you hadn't got an adult that night just no no i hadn't, <laughs> I, hadn't I hadn't got an adult like that, that, that night and, and i also looked like i was about nine um so i decided i was gonna uh, i was like I, I went home spurned so i decided to start a band night then um two weeks later and i got my my band um and three other bands to play and we sold the whole thing out. We sold we sold two hundred tickets Brilliant. on the door. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> and we and, and it went on like that for about maybe eighteen months. And the, the music scene then was was huge. And, yeah. and like you know, we were we were charging like a fiver in back when we were fifteen, which would have been like two thousand and two. Yeah. Like and, and and all the bands were getting well paid and they were able to go and 
get rehearsal rooms or go and like pay for demos. Well, and, what, what do you and stuff what like do you this, think? So. What do you think was going on then that sort of energized that all? Because there was other areas that was being energized, and at the same time, around Yuri. I think, here, it, I think you know, it was popular was culture. Like, I mean, it, 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 <clears throat> being in a band was mainstream then, and it's not mainstream anymore. Yeah. Like, you know, you're coming off the back of Britpop being the biggest thing that's ever happened to Your g- g- guitar music. Yeah. yeah, but like even, but we were kind of too young for Britpop, sort of. Yeah. We were like the sort of the age of the Strokes and yeah. White Stripes and, cool and, and Libertines. Yeah, yeah, they were a bit cooler. Well, they were cool bands for your generation. Yeah, yeah. I suppose the other people look back to our generation. But it was really, say. it was really mainstream. It was really popular. And that was what, what kids wanted to listen to. It's weird now because like almost still, almost a massive music town for anybody who doesn't know it. And like, you know, there's incredible musicians like Artie McGlynn and um, the Lost Brothers and Jerome McGlynn and, and t- tons of other people that have, that have come from there. And now when I see the ones that are maybe about 17, 18 coming through, they're into folk music and they're into yeah. traditional music. Yeah. They, 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 the, the town just goes in cycles yeah. and cycles are only very short as well when it comes to like capturing lightning in a bottle before everybody goes off to university in different towns or places. Because yeah, it just explodes the sparks all over the place. Yeah, it's yeah. controlled, as you say, at that era, that time, everything, the people are there and then they move, they marry, they get jobs, they push your way out and, and it's a nuclear bomb like that's that's it in the middle when you're 17 yeah. 16 17 18 that's a flame of hope and for then, everyone and isn't then it? it just spreads uh, out onto the rest uh, of the world yeah and, and and i suppose the good thing about that uh phil is that that energy has been taken away somewhere else mm. someone will still keep that linear line going do you know even though that scene as you said has switched around now what about the likes of say uh young people now uh that maybe, you know, you just said it earlier on there, it's something I just heard you say about uh, being young and not being let in. Aye. You know, like, because uh, the, the truth be told now, the access young people have to music now is from, they're basically maybe able to walk there's music mm-hmm. and they're able to do certain things and phones and it'll get more so. Yeah. Uh, should there be more uh, opportunity for young people to go to gigs? And sh- uh, obviously there's a big control thing and all that there, but do you think that's needed? Because you're, you're a long time in the music industry, to get fans back, get that feeling you said there, back out and get it back into home and back into towns and and how do you think that? I think sh- there's a look. There's a difference between seeing something on YouTube or seeing something on TV and seeing something for yourself in real life because like when when you've seen when you're watching a, a music video that's maybe had tens of thousands of pounds put into it, yeah, it, it feels massively unachievable. But when you're standing in St. Joseph's Hall or the GA Hall or um, the INF or whatever in Oma and there's somebody playing within a meter of you and yeah. you can see it being done then then it becomes achievable because you're like oh well if that guy can do it then I can do it as well yeah. and but you have that, to see it don't you you no. have to see it you, yeah. have to, you have to see it up close and it doesn't work the same on Zoom and, and it doesn't work the same on Twitch or it doesn't work the same on YouTube like you do yeah. You, the only way to be really infected by the and nobody wants to be infected by anything these days do they? Yeah. But, uh, the only infected way, with music and creativity. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that's it. And you need to see it in front of you and you need to be able to hear, feel the vibrations in your chest yeah, of, yeah. The, of the drums. Because see that, that, that moment, you know, because I've talked to lots of people, there's, and everybody's is different. It could be a festival, it could be in a wee bar, it could mm. be in the Ulster Hall, it could be, you know, water, and not the water, but the Ulster Hall, more so from my era. And because I remember seeing Aussie in the Macefield Leisure Centre. Mm. And like, so there was no not even venues galore to have them. But you just mentioned there, you know, three to four places that were would and did have the energy of music. But I think, I suppose now uh, it's getting people 
back out into town centres and getting people back into the, you know the towns and like, I know from here there's bars closed it's almost like an Oma I think Oma's going through <clears throat> a friend of mine Mickey who played in the band with me yeah. he referred to Oma as the, the best way I've ever heard it expl- explained um, the other day and he called it the home of the beatnik culture <laughs> he, he said it's the, the home of the beatnik culture it's like we're, we're, people are well, well like they, they know their music they're well read and they want to stay in the town yeah. Um, and they uh, want to wear the shirt. Yeah, and they want to yeah. wear the shirt. Um, but th- th- there's, but that's okay too, isn't it? Yeah, it absolutely is. But like, uh, I can see that the generation coming up behind me aren't as open to moving away because there's more opportunities. Like Oma, in in a weird way, is doing a lot better than a lot of other towns at, at size. Like they, 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 yeah, the, the, the shop fronts aren't shut, shutting down. The and bars do are still an, open. Do you feel industry around it has started to expand out? You know, because this town here is very much entrepreneurial too. Yeah. Well, you know, when there's a lot of really good businesses and, and you're seeing the town expand a bit. I know it's nothing like you, but for us, it's a small part. But that's what it has to be. A bit bigger, you know what I mean? And intercultural as well. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's, Definitely a new generational thing from my the last maybe 20 years. I've been seeing that and, and uh, people of all walks are living and, and breathing and taking part in the area. And I think that's good for rural towns. Yeah, massively. I mean, like there's there's been a, a lot of immigration in Toma like, of the last um, 25, 20 years. Yeah. Like, um, a lot, like a lot of um, African families, a lot of Polish families yeah. um, coming in and, and changing Noma into a, a, a different town for the better. Yeah, Do you yeah. know, like, like uh, yeah. I, I can I because can you're well travelled. Yeah. You could see that. You know, you lived a long time in London too. Yeah, and and for you to be saying that, that's a really positive thing about your hometown. And for you yourself, uh, uh, you're you're living back in Oma. Is that right? I'm back, I'm back in Belfast. Back in now. Belfast, but yeah. you were in Oma for a while. Were you? I was just I, like kind of like I'm down back up and down to Oma now. The, the same way normally I would have been nearly as a student. <laughs> do you know, uh, do you know uh, what I mean? Did you get the feeds? No, <laughs> could I, I, I get the feed? Say, wave to me, ma. Uh, pet, pet the dog in the head and uh, head back up the road again. <laughs> mammy will always look after you. You know what I mean? Uh, exactly. For people out there, there's one place you can go and it's your mammy and get sorted out. <laughs> exactly. and, uh, is there any special bake, 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 tray bakes made for you or sandwiches? Or there's never not a tray bake in the uh, ma's house. Like oh, deadly. Well, then I must visit you someday. But that's, and that's it. You like uh, you you get the wet of a tea bag around my house. <laughs> deadly. Uh, a well wrong tea bag. People should know out there. Well used, well supped, and well looked after. Deadly tea folk, man. Uh, and, uh, so, well, at 17, uh, for people out there, um, I'll give a wee a wee small insight. Uh, there was a magazine called Return of Ulster. Yeah. Um, uh, ran by Johnny Tiernan. Mm. Uh, and uh, it was back in the day. And uh, you, at 17, were one of the writers in it, uh, I suppose. And at that time, for me, it was deadly because you you were saying about bands, or you were hearing about bands all over the place, and you were hearing about maybe gig places coming up well, that weren't normally gigs and abs, you know obscure gigs that sort of started that all, mm-hmm. and, and you dealt with dance music it was everything. Uh, what was that like for you at that time, uh, being I suppose at the helm of something like that that had I think it was ten years in that right or how long did it go? I'm not of, of alternative Ulster. Uh, Alternative probably was about ten about years. 10 like years it, I think, it, wasn't it? It, it, it was something like that. Yeah, uh, I mean, like they they did really well, and it was a great magazine. And I, and I think they it did something that I was always screaming about about in media and in in Northern Ireland at the time is the best way to make like, same as you small small but massive, right? Is the the best way to make a local artist be bigger is by putting them in the same place as. An, an interview with 
I, I don't know, James Murphy from LCD Sound yeah. System yeah. <laughs> or like an interview with just like, you know, the, like putting them and giving them the same gravitas, the same space. And you've seen as it all both the rest ways. of it. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. like, I mean, if you, it, it can work sometimes to your detriment when you just have a, a magazine or a show that's just all about locals sometimes. Yeah. Because sometimes they, people go into it with a mind frame of going, this is just local uh, which yeah, is not yeah. the right mind frame to be going into it should be like this is where you're from this is uh, what the sound yeah. of where you're from is about yeah. but, but so, you're saying there but sometimes uh, having that like uh, gravitas make, make uh, bolsters it a bit that like. mix of ticking in because uh, uh, obviously over the years uh, you guys working on it and Johnny and all there was the odd nugget of bands come through that all of a sudden went like that and they were in with the local bands but they weren't local as such they were on the way up, yeah, uh, like uh, I, in I, the industry, the big bands that like the that I see, I didn't write like you know I did bits and pieces for mm. you here and there, like but I wasn't definitely not one of the big cogs in the machine. Mm. I kind of just I rolled in, did a couple of CD reviews and a wee yeah. bit here and there. Yeah, but it was good. That was um, you starting off, and you're uh, that was past. me starting yeah. off. Yeah, yeah, I was only doing bits and pieces, and like. Uh, but how did you find that then? That sort of just for people out there, that just like uh, I I I don't have too much fear in asking for stuff. Yeah. I, I tend to like throw myself into it and then try and figure out how to drive it while I'm on the road oh, and, uh, and, and, and instead, <laughs> instead of like oh. trying to figure out what it is. Yeah. Automatic beforehand. mode, you call it. Yeah, yeah, but that, yeah. I think that's, that, I think that's the, the, the hardest place to start is by actually starting because you can, you can overthink, you can sit in your room or you can sit like daydreaming as you walk to, to school or walk to work or just walk around the block or whatever. Yeah. But the hardest bit is to actually just send the first message out going here, can I do some work for you? Can I do this? And you know you you're not going to get paid for the first couple of things yeah. you do or the first couple of years, but like you have to go and earn your stripes. And yeah. no, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's a right thing that you don't get paid, but yeah. it's it's just. It, but it's it's the way it had to work. Yeah, it's the way saying. it's the way it had to work now. But like I mean, you know, it would be good um, if interns could get paid, especially in London and places like that. Yeah. But, but like on a more local bit level, um, you do just have to come and show show it as a bit of a vocation and, and learn because and appear just appear uh, yeah and keep appearing just yeah exactly yeah. like you, you 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 miss every shot that you don't take like you, yeah. see, you have to you have to be there well you mentioned there uh fell about uh um the bbc uh there about you know like learning and you uh on tra trainees you mentioned there about you know like uh going on apprenticeships and things like that so you were you were one a, a bbc skill set was that like an apprenticeship thing back in the day? Was that your first entry into the BBC coming from, were you a junior at the time? I, it kind of kind of was. Like I, I went to university in, in Coleraine and I was studying media studies up there. And for the dissertation, you could split it in two. Instead of having to write 10,000 words, you could write 5,000 words and do a radio documentary. And I was just like going, I mean, first up, I'd never done a radio documentary. I'd never even held an, <clears throat> a microphone to do yeah. an interview before yeah. <laughs> in my life. So I was just like, I'm not doing 10,000 words for that. I'll figure out how to do a radio documentary. That'll be way, that'll be way easier. And I'll talk 20,000 yeah. words in yeah. that radio documentary. <laughs> exactly. I didn't have to transcribe it. Um, uh, I, I did like a, a dissertation. Um, when would this have been? This had been like 2006 or 2007. And it was... The written piece was the representation of women in the music media and it was about looking at Mojo and Enemy and Q and the, the adjectives that they used to describe women in, in, in their magazines at the time. So that would have been like um, Lily Allen and um, Amy Winehouse and um, Laura Marling and MIA and people like that. So were you, um, were you doing that there uh, in a sense that... Uh 
for people to see how it was written then or was it right the way they were, it was I, written? I, I, what was your kind of thinking doing the, the, the piece? I thought that, that that women were, there was a certain amount of adjectives that were used to describe women that were only used to describe women and not men. Mm. So like it would be like um, feisty mm. or bubbly or, you know, yeah. like, like stuff that you would never ever hear a guy. So I was just like trying to take all of the adjectives out and see whether it all matched up and did a graph and all sorts of shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> 1974, look, the words. <laughs> Spiritualized was said 15 times on Radio 1. Welcome to Radio 1. <laughs> no, and so, but look, if you look, uh, I suppose, now where things are changing, you probably have brought something up uh, way back then that's been brought up now in a well, different, I mean, different way. You know what I mean? I don't think anybody read it, like, apart from the teacher, that, <laughs> the teacher that did it. After this podcast, everybody will be searching uh, for it, you know what I mean? Um, but there was a... a the documentary I did was about um, about women and in, in, in positive, like women in, in the Northern Irish music scene. So I went and did like a piece on uh, Donna Leg and a couple of other people and um, put the documentary together and it won the, this like award. But I had finished university by that stage and they had phoned me to ask me to come to the thing in uh, Blackstaff Studios in, in Belfast at the BBC. And I said, no, I was like, going, I'm done with uni. Like, I don't want to travel up the road for that. Uh-huh. And they said, no, you have to go. And I was like, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> I don't have to do anything. I'm sorry, but I, I'm done. I'm done here. And then they, they phoned me back and they were like, you've won. And there's like a, a prize of like a couple hundred quid, but yeah, you have like, to spend it on media stuff. So I bought decks. <laughs> <laughs> I bought DJ decks for it. I was like, yeah, that's sort of, it is a media. Uh, yeah, no, I, you worked it well. It was creative. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, I am totally worth it. If I had been on that board of the BBC giving you that 200 pounds young Philly, I would have been well happy with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I ended up DJing, so like, I mean, it, did, it worked out. Like, uh, So, and look, uh, it was your inroads then, I suppose, in a way, to uh, what became, and still is, a massive love to you, which was uh, radio presenting, and you, you're really successful at it, uh, fair play to you. Um, before we go to that, you, you worked and you set up Stroll FM in Oma. You were, I, I, uh, was that, that was just to tell people out there what that was, and because I suppose people won't know, they might just think, oh, is it still there, or what's the crack? Stroll or? FM was a community um, station. It was um, set up by two men um, who, they, they, well, they, they set it up and they kind of were looking for volunteers. So, I, I, I mean, I, well, I, like I was there, you know, when they were having the conversations on how to set it up, but yeah. I was very much one of the young guys sitting in the background just suggesting things rather than uh, uh, doing any of the heavy lifting. Do we need an Uncle Hugo on here? <laughs> what about Bull McGee? Yeah, exactly. Get, get Bull, Bull Sheridan up there. <laughs> right there now, we're going to play a right good old country song. Are you better stand up in the kitchen and dance or I'm coming to get you. <laughs> yeah, so it sounds like you've been listening to the shows. You've been listening to the station. Oh man, I love it. But I, I ended up like uh, doing a show on it, and it was my first ever show, and I got thrown off the station straight away. Did you curse? No, I, I did. Did you? Did. I did. What, what flippity did you say? You know, um, beep. Well, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll beep it out. But M- Morrissey was playing in Oma Leisure Centre that weekend. I and, remember that. And a friend of mine. Brian, I had invited on the show because I was a bit nervous by myself, so I just had him there if I needed to chat to him. And Brian said, um, Jesus, Morris, he's playing in, in Noma on Friday night. Maybe I could support him. And I said, Brian, the only way you could support him is if you beeped, <laughs> is if you, is if you, if you beeping bent, bent over and let him sit in your back. 
Well, and, for people out there, was, that's that, four beep beep and bap, boop, beeps. Uh, it's a bit like a fucking Buddy Holly song that we like a scat, It was like a scat. Um, <laughs> Give me that wee rap again. There was a beep and a bap and a beep. <laughs> the beep, bap, bap and a whoop. Um, but that was, uh, that was the end of me on Street <laughs> FM. So I was... Uh, you were sacked, basically. Uh, sacked straight away, but they... <laughs> First show down. I didn't tell the BBC about that um, when I was when I was going for a job. Like well, funny you say BBC. In two thousand and ten, you sat on for Rigsy. Yeah, I suppose it was. But yeah, geez, that how long ago it was uh, now? There wow. you go. And uh, so because I remember, like I know you done we um, was it? I don't know what you call them, we first. Ah, uh, you were a promoter from New York. Oh yeah, Frankie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm Frankie. You want to book me, man? You know, I thought it was deadly. Right, I suppose we for them guys down there it was oh my god. What's yeah. it on? We, what's happening? It was late night. That was BBC introducing because like Northern Ireland at that time was blessed enough to have two shows based around getting music out there, like from, yeah. from local bands. Um, it's only got one now, but uh, yeah, the the late night one was the the Radio One um, opt out. So sometimes it's on Radio One, sometimes it's just on Radio One Northern Ireland. And we used to just because it was twelve to two a.m. We were just like we played with it so much and just like created characters and worlds and and we're kind of just like I don't know I don't know how we got away with it. You'd never get away with it now. I thought it was class. <laughs> I thought what you were doing was brilliant and it sort of added. A, it was a great bit of crack and I always wanted to know how Frankie and what was coming up and, and what gigs was happening. The way you were saying downtown gigs downtown and big town all towns, you know, <laughs> brilliant. Uh, and you should bring that character That's back. Right. It, was, in your uh, podcast. It, it was a it was a fake band manager called Frankie Sinclair <laughs> and he had his he had his. Um, his assistant, which was called Angelo Lansbury, <laughs> and they, they they went out to seek the best advice that they could get from people in the music industry in Northern Ireland and then would do gig listings for anybody who, who missed out on on that inqu- incredibly quality moment of radio history. <laughs> so all you people out there, check the eye player. You might never find it. You know, MySpace is hidden away somewhere in some big arcade, some big well-fed fucking computer. I have it, Phil. I have it in my hard drive. I would love to hear it. I would love to hear it. Oh, brilliant. So, <laughs> forgot all about that. Uh, there you go. Uh, so, when you were in there, uh, ATL, so that was your sort of the start of your progression uh, um, to get into radio and then get the opportunity to, to go to London. But how long were you? You were around Radio Ulster a wee while more than, than any. You, you sort of right. tell the people out there, I suppose, for anyone listening, just for, I suppose, for the young people listening. So, earlier on, you spoke about your apprenticeship. And then uh, Stroll FM, uh, uh, you know, uh, if the FM was a bad word, two bad words, it would go <laughs> something me. <Yeah. laughs> Just Stroll. That's what I said after me. I got. That's what I got said after. After I did. You I could said stick it. your FM. <laughs> I picked that up in your third eye here. We should say it uh, at the end. We're going to do a run of courses just to get them off our chest, you know. Uh, so, um, so then your timeline in and really uh, uh, ATL. So for people out there. Um, ATL was a, a show uh, based, uh, first originator of it was Mike Edgar mm. uh, back in the day and uh, was a great advocate for uh, new music at the time, same way Dave Fanning would have done for uh, Down South to FM. Or, uh, uh, so tell the people then, Phil, what it was like for you then going in there and how did you get that leap over on the boat? I mean, across the line's got like really rich heritage. I think it's like it's one of the oldest, if not the oldest, um, still running New music show yeah, on so. on the BBC. Yeah, that's uh, it mad. started the year I was born back in like '86. There you go. Um, and I remember uh, doing a show with Mike Edgar, who started it um, at very much at the at the beginning. But yeah. I, I, it was uh, one of those shows where I, I started working on very like uh, early into my career. Yeah. Um, I was on a 
apprenticeship but um basically it was a steps to work scheme from the dole um uh that got me into the bbc uh and i did three months you know studying journalism and studying um editing and stuff like that and then after that three months they put you on a on a, an attachment somewhere uh, and you can pick wherever you go um because they've, they've they've got like utv they've got bbc and i i I was so sick of being skint at this stage because uh, i was like you know playing in bands and stuff and it's, yeah. it's not pretty lucrative like oh. um and uh Yellow pack digestive uh, biscuits, yeah. not even McFitties, the kings of digestive biscuits. <laughs> Some obscure Mickey Riley's digestive. They're only fourteen p, you know, folly. <laughs> digestive biscuits. What are you, the king of king of uh, Russia or something? Like? We were so, we were eating we were eating balled up sweat. <laughs> That's all we you could were afford. wrenching drying cloths just to keep dehydrated. I get you, lad. I get you. We were we were doing that, and I had heard that in UTV page if what was it, 20, 30 quid a week to, to do it. So I was like, going, do you know what, I'll do that. And it turned out, I was like, they pay you an extra 15 quid in the BBC. But I was just like, ah, no, I'm not I'm not going to go there. I'd, I'd rather work on the new music stuff because I, uh-huh. I, enjoy, I enjoy it like a lot. Uh-huh. Um, so I ended up going there and um, uh, they, they kind of put you to work and they... You, they they make you do everything and and they're brilliant and, and like lots of people go in there and don't do anything um and and don't get the experience out of it but if you go yeah. in there and you're willing to work and you're willing to put put in the time and the hours then they'll repay you by by training you up you and know? that's right across the industry isn't it but, yeah yeah so uh, you know I suppose to just to let people know because there's always that moment you know you want something you want it now uh, you know I want it all as the great Freddie Mercury said you know what I mean yeah. and, and instantly and everybody seems to want things instantly now if, I, mm-hmm. know, if you feel that like, I yeah, yeah it, no know, definitely it is yeah. so it's an instant world so how was that experience then? And who, just, like, was there, had you any sort of people that, you know, because like, I would imagine, like, fair play to you, I would imagine going on to, you know, because we grew up with country men. Yeah. Right? And all of a sudden you're in among, you see things and, and there's a channel that your parents have watched, your parents have watched, your granny's watched, the old man's probably watched, <laughs> and uh, all yeah. these people. And uh, all of a sudden you're inside yeah. this. Uh, machine as such so how was that for you was it nerve-wracking at the start you know what I mean I don't I, I didn't I wasn't particularly um nerve-wracked uh, like at that stage not until I started doing a show that's when I that's when the nerves really kicked in yeah. I just felt that like I had ideas that I wanted to tell people and and they would listen to the ideas yeah. and sometimes they would send they would be like oh no nah, not admission or sometimes yeah. they'd be like go and go and do it yeah. um you know if you're gonna go in and start working somewhere um the easier you can make that person's life, the more likely you are to stick around and get a job and get trained up. Yeah. Um. So you have to make their life easier and and bring a fresh perspective to it as well. Yeah. And what helped me was I was twenty three or twenty two when I was going in, and um I was younger than the rest of them. And I was out of gigs. I was literally at gigs four or five nights a week. Yeah. <laughs> um. And so they they needed that, you know. Like I mean, they they weren't. That going was out part to of their remit. To be, and I suppose it's well and good. Now we're the whole uploader and all, but back then it was good to see the bands and and then well, you only you know you only know if they're like I mean you can polish it you can polish whatever in, uh, the, in a studio but like yeah. you, when you see somebody live you know yeah. whether they're actually float, <laughs> what you're describing there but people should know there what Phil described there <laughs> it floats in water yeah exactly <laughs> and it's not Jesus um, <laughs> um, but like yeah I mean. Like, having been able to go out, I offered like a, I offered them a, an added value and that, that added value was 
being out of gigs the whole time. Yeah. So when and I, you become that face, just for people out there to know that you become a face, don't you? Because you're a well-known face, you know. And and the, the same whole way industry. that like uh, your very own Gemma Bradley here, who's now the 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 head, uh, so the the pre- presenter of Across the Line and BBC introducing throughout the whole of the UK. Yeah, there you go. Um, is very much the same yeah. and was very much a country girl too. Yeah, 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 she's from, from, from here. Yeah. Um, and she was coming through and was well known in the music scene before she got her, her job and, and it was the same with me and it was a very sort of similar come up in different ways. Both played in bands and, and things like that and now she is literally the most important voice in terms of grassroots new music in the UK. That's the way. That's and she's right. from here. <laughs> she's just across the road. I know. There. And she sat in that chair too. Aye. And we had a blander too. With a bit of an accent. <laughs> so <coughs> I like that, I like that word of blander. <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's between banter and lanter, isn't it? <laughs> I, was like, I, was like, I thought it was blather and dander. <laughs> <laughs> well, a blather is a blather, as you know. For people out there that don't know what the blather is, describe what a blather is in a, in a country rural. A blather, a blather, he's, he's, a blather is stopping to talk about absolutely nothing for five minutes and then walking <laughs> on straight afterwards having have had no idea which which either of you were on about <laughs> aye. so if you're out there blathering away because uh, bars will be full of blathers yeah aye. Uh, bars and for mitzvahs and chapels and churches and there's blathers yeah. all it's, it's basically a gathering of people yeah. And they all speak at the one time. Aye. And, and you don't really know what's going on. <laughs> no. A flock of swallows coming into <laughs> over, uh, over the sparrows. So you then went, I suppose, uh, you went over to Radio 1 and uh, Alice Levine and you mm-hmm. done a show, I think Aye. it started around 2.13 or something like that. Um, so you came, I suppose, from uh, Oma through the, 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 the ranks and you all of a sudden you're in London and among, I suppose, the, the, there's a big difference, I suppose you can tell mm-hmm. people out there than coming from Radio Ulster and the setup to this major organisation that has all these different things going on and all these people maybe that you looked up to yeah, at the time, yeah. DJs and different presenters. So do you want to tell us a wee bit about that? Because uh, you, both you and Al seem to get on, you've done a TV shows and all, seen yeah, together and yeah. all. So how did that all come about? Or? Um, it was it was weird. Like I, I, I had like done some done a couple of stand-in shows and across the line and in in Radio Ulster, I've done a couple of stand-in shows on um, the, the late night Radio One show for BBC Introducing in Northern Ireland, and they kind of had taken an interest in some of the stuff that I was doing, and they'd asked me to go and send a demo to them. So uh, I spent I don't know about two weeks putting together a demo. I did the same show nightly over and over and over and over and over again until it was good, and then edited the best bits of the two weeks out. Yeah. For people out and there, just how, what standard does it need to be then to get on radio? You know, I mean, people? like, if you're playing in a band, it's, <laughs> if you're playing in a band, it's always really useful to try and go on YouTube and find what that the, your favourite band sounded like on their first demos. Because mm. so I, I heard you in your podcast, and you always bring the people back. Yeah. I can't remember who, the, you had a really big star on recently, uh from America and you were on about you played his demo aye and uh, I was real interested in listening but, listen, but the demo was important who was it again who was it you were talking to I've had about 60 or 70 on uh, but this is recent this is the most one of the recent ones but well whatever anyway you were bringing them back to their demo where you were coming from but I think so. that demos are really demos are really important like, like it's the first time that um, somebody that you want to hear it will hear it yeah Um. so I think the the, the 
the mainframe for me generally is like I get excited about something and want to share it with somebody straight away, which is the exact wrong thing to do. There's a sweet spot between sitting on it and and giving it out straight away, yeah. and you need to find what that is. Out. You don't want to sit in a demo for too long, otherwise you lose the magic of it. Yeah, um, and it becomes a bit cold. So I, I did this two weeks, and I and anyway, I, I sent it over to Radio One, and I said that I did it in half an hour on my lunch break. I didn't at all. Like I did it in two weeks, uh, but I think <laughs> I, just, I just lied to them. And, and, and uh, they it took two hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was it. Um, and they liked it, and then they they got me over to. To Saturday afternoon, which was uh, Hugh Stevens' slot, I think at yeah, the time it was yeah. one p.m. And like, but people should know it's with Hugh Stevens. You're just talking about Gemma. He used to present the yeah, yeah. One Gemma just, took over the yeah. show, his show, um, and he was the, the the godfather of new music. And and now Gemma from the, this parish is taking uh, it over. So we had um, a Welsh godfather, and now we've got a, a, a an Irish rural godfather. A rural godfather, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Godmother, maybe. You know, yeah. God, <laughs> That's know, it. What way would you say it now in the it's world the, we live in? The, 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 the queen, the king, the everything. Everything, yeah, and um, all the bits in between. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like and. Yeah, unfair play. I mean, Jam is uh, re- representing, and it will only grow grow stronger and be better for 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 everybody around here. And yeah, I just got got on to got on to Radio One, and and I was I was very lucky to get there. But I I I'd put the work in. I I was doing fake radio shows for about a year and a half every mm. day after I finished school that nobody ever heard. There you go. And it, and it was. Have you any recordings of them? Or? Okay, I'm sure there's there's stuff floating about, but uh, I, the way I figured it. Can is, you give us a wee burst of on there? Tell us, had you a different voice? You know, I'm fine. I, 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 so give us a wee, give us a wee blinge of what you felt it might have been then. Oh, no, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even know how to do it now because like when when I was starting out, it was very hello everybody and welcome to across the line. On you know you're like, you're not speaking Aye. you're not speaking normal. Oh, but you always you're keep your I I thank you, thank you. No, you do. Because like you don't come in. Hi, it's Phil here. You know, welcome. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Uh, it's uh, Paddy Glasgow FM here <laughs> in Drapestown. Small oh, but massive. Yeah, small but massive, Phil. How are you keeping over the other side? I was out this morning doing a bit of jogging. What about you, Phil? <laughs> love it, love it, love oh, a bit of jogging. Could I just say your teeth are so shiny this morning? <laughs> Were you eating the new toothpaste that's sponsoring us in minutes? Be cleaner, be shinier, just be Phil. <laughs> you sound you sound like about two radios. From Northern Ireland that I don't want to repeat, but I can tell, tell you off air. I'm like going, God, you might have a you might have a future there. Oh, yeah, Paul, we'll stay where we are. Uh, so, in 2013, um, you were the face of uh, the Radio One Big Weekend. Uh, what we should say that was the year of the City of Culture. Aye. And uh, it was massive, wasn't it? And uh, uh, hopefully when I throw over uh, to you of who was playing, you'll remember because I've thrown other people that have been there and they can't remember anything. And, uh, but you were the one that without takes talking to the people and mm. all that there. How did that feel for you, being only living up the road? Was that a that's, great... That's interesting though because like, you know, Bruno Mars headlined it, I remember that. And I remember Vampire Weekend playing it and, and there was a good few. Uh, Macklemore had a big, yeah. big, big set of it yeah. too. Um, but the weird thing about it was that I, I was brought up to, to to sort of, you know, this is the boy from Northern Ireland. We're here in Northern Ireland. So he'll do uh, Radio 1 Daytime, Radio 1 Nighttime, BBC Northern Ireland, um, BBC 3. Um, and do all that. I saw two acts the whole time that I was there because I was too busy chatting about. But there, everybody's like going, uh, "What have you seen?" And I was like, uh, "Going nothing. I've been buried from one thing to the other here." I've, I mean, my feet didn't touch the ground. I didn't know what what was going on. Like, do you think it'd be um, better just letting you loose and just wandering around and being that style? Because you'd be good at that. You know, just wandering around people and having a chat. And probably, yeah. I was very nervous doing doing a lot of it, and you know, like 
definitely thrown into the belly of the beast. Um, was that a, a big belly bit? coming? Was that your first big, you know, I know you've been at our festival since that in England and presenting on all different things, but was it a big thing, you know, for you? Probably got a bit of expectation and, like, uh, and I was very new at it all and was very nervous about a few things and like some, some things went really well, some things yeah. didn't go very well other, yeah. uh, and that's just life, you know. Um, is but, that because <clears> of the person at the other side you may be interviewing or, or is it just... I just think, I think that... It, maybe a little bit burnt out just uh, by, by everything that was going on. It was uh, a, like, even just, it was like a quite emotional on, on top of it. Like I, I, uh, it's the closest I'll ever come to playing at a cup final, you know, uh, like, like people asking you for tickets like days beforehand and yeah. you're trying to figure out what your work's going to be and, uh, and what you're doing like that. And, uh, and I think like, and the more people probably talking to you, the more, the more it was going around in your head thinking, Oh my God, this is going to be huge. Cause it was yeah, huge. It was wasn't huge. It? Yeah, it was, yeah. Cause the, the, the excitement, uh, uh, and the whole, you know, the whole city and I suppose about the whole celebration and all the big events that was happening. But the Radio 1 one was a big one and I think it, the, there was the wheels of steel were put behind it. Well, the whole idea behind Big Weekend is that they go to places that Radio 1 doesn't naturally reach quite well. Um, so, they, you know, they've done places in Scotland, they've done places in Wales, they've done places in Northern Ireland. But guess what, Paddy? We're due. Are we due? 2013. Could was, you tell by my belly one? I'm due? <laughs> you're due. I, I seen you sitting there, like out there. People won't know them when they see the, 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 the video. You're sitting there thinking, is he rubbing something? And I think you've impregnated me too. I think so. <laughs> and, uh, I, I think that's, that's me trying to give up the smoking weight, uh, I think. <laughs> Here, um, so, uh, is it. Uh, I think we're due. I think we're due a big weekend. I think, where, I think where we're do you due think, where, for a man like you, on a, I suppose you can't put you in the spot, but is it going to be in a city or a big town? Or does it always I, I have to know. be in a city? I don't know. I've, 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 I've got no. Um, I have no way into any of those meetings, <laughs> um, but but if I if I was because like Derry have had big weekend and then there was um, a road show in Derry probably about ten years before that as well, um, the Colomary and all those ones were at because I remember I was grounded and I wasn't allowed to go to it. Oh, um, no way! But um, I think we're due, and whether it's Belfast, whether it's the North Coast, I like I mean, imagine like Port Rush has put on a lot of big yeah. shows back in yeah. back in the day. Yeah, you and could, the, I you could the imagine, background would be pretty cool too. You could imagine Port Rush on the beach. They or could come to Eagles like Rock that. too, couldn't they? Eagles Rock, Eagles but Eagles that, Rock, they yeah. could come there. Paul. That's we should it. tell them to come uh, there. Do you, do, you, <laughs> Patty, do you remember? Um, do you remember the like the? You won't remember this at all because like you were flat out. But I said to you in the last Glasgow break, and, and I didn't withhold my word on it because I was just like, going, I have no idea what I would do. I was just saying, if you haven't put on another Glasgow break in 10 years, I'm going to climb up the mountain and do it myself. <laughs> and then, and, and then well, the, 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 10 years, the 10 years came around and I, remember, <laughs> and I remember speaking to my ex at the time and we were having a big conversation. I was like going, Jesus, I I did say that. Like, <laughs> and I'm a man, I'm generally a man of my word, but I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. And I, I bankrupt everybody, not even myself, but I wouldn't have a baldy. So I was just like going, this is one of those times that I think that Patty wouldn't even be too worried if I broke my word on <laughs> oh, You're 100%, you're 100%, Brent. So you then, in 2018 and Radio 1, your own show, Chillfest. Uh, so that was all, because I, I suppose you should say a wee bit here, before that, your your chill fest. So you've always been out DJing. Your love of DJing started at a very young age too. Aye. Uh, because we've talked to rock and roll, but um, mm. so for their love of uh, being a presenter and uh, love of out playing in front of people, do you want to tell a wee bit about your love of dance music and because that's where you've got to a <coughs> chill fest. So you know, because I know I read somewhere about, uh, that you did DJ up Noma your first 
you know, your yeah. first run and I, I, like I cover all sorts of music. Like I, I don't have a particular type of music yeah. that I that I like. I mean, if you from today, I was listening to Janis Joplin, Mercedes Benz. Yeah. First, first thing. Won't up. you buy and me a Mercedes Benz? My friends <laughs> oh, all have Porsches. Porsches. I must make amends. amends. <laughs> oh, love it, love it, love it, love it. Great song. I was listening uh, to that, and I was listening. Funny, to oh, yeah, I was just listening. To boom, 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 down just out of the blue tune. we're back to the 50s a tune and a half so sorry so go but, ahead I like I like every, but everything like I mean I do a show in Radio Ulster at the minute which is all about dance music and when I go out and I DJ I like to play various different uh, I like to play as much as eclectic as I possibly can but generally where you're playing so Friday or Saturday and it does tend to be a bit more dance music but I I do try and keep it as varied as, as I possibly can because I like I like folk music I like yeah. I like dance music I, I like I like rock music I like hip hop pop everything it's like everything yeah. uh, but, but a good tune's a good tune like it, it doesn't matter where it comes from uh, uh, you know and that's the thing about as long as it hits you Hits you and just flattens you. Don't need to flatten you. Just hit you a bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Don't yeah. blow you over like a hurricane. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, like a hurricane. Just a light judo you know? chop. <laughs> a nice wee Quango Tango. That's a new form of uh, special. <laughs> That's Draper Sound Kung Fu. Uh, Quango yeah. Tango. <laughs> you know, help me defend myself, young Phil. Uh, but uh, so, and when you're saying that there, so you've played a lot of big festivals and different things, DJing and being a presenter and stuff. Um, what was them experiences like for you too? Like when you're, because you lived in London for a good few years ah, uh, and was it all you know uh, I should ask us uh, in the world you lived in uh, was it all about thinking in your head I have to go out tonight because there's somebody I need to meet and I have to be there and the next night and rolls on it's Wednesday rolls on rolling 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 <laughs> yeah, it kind of is <laughs> it's like a raw is, head moment coming. it is a little bit like that and like you think back about the, the those times and you there's very rare there's very rare a moment that you were ever actually in the moment yeah the, the, it, it's a very very um stressful environment because you like you know you're 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 kind of like taught by the the, the, the people there at, 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 at you know radio one that you've got to have a brand and you've got to have a social yeah. media thing yeah. and you've got to be a dj and you've got to be doing this and you've got to be doing you tv have, and you've got to do this you got, and you've got to, like you yeah got, got to swipe the the, the lips and, yeah the, the, you know, but, but it's yeah. it, it's difficult like i mean because like but you did in a way but, on your own way build a brand your your way but i was doing, doing it my way and then so there would be certain expectations that you would have to sort of keep up with and and i just i don't know i'm just very interested in just doing stuff that i'm interested in <laughs> and not doing what, what i'm supposed uh, to be doing uh, I, uh, I, you, I just like the word uh, the people you know it's called defiance you know but yeah. it's a good word in a sense sometimes and because and you're standing up basically for your own principles and what kind of a show you want the good listeners to listen to yeah, yeah. what kind of bands or artists or djs you want to bring on and what kind of uh, image you want your show to have and you've got loads of people that listen to your show so obviously by being and doing what you had um it worked okay. Yeah, but I think that there's a certain level of defiance that is acceptable, and there's a certain level of defiance that's definitely <laughs> am, am I not. Being, am I being? <laughs> am I being diplomatic here <laughs> on the truth? But look, but so right. So you're right. So and I know what you mean there. So what you're saying, the cardboard cutout. I'm on the right studio A. Yeah. Full studio B. Pads and pads. You know, and yeah. I'm cardboard cutout, and I've got all the same crack, and I'm social media, and I've just played a tune, and I'm, I'm mm. all these things as. Is that what they expected you to become, or uh, when you were out and about, is there sort of a way of, oh, I have to behave this way because I work or I'm doing this? You know, the way companies are now. And no, you know, like I mean, like the BBC have always been like giving me a lot of freedom when I was uh, at Radio One. Yeah. Like the the Friday the the shows that I did, I picked all the records 
for them all the time and that's mad that they yeah. like you know in every other radio station all around the world you would be given um you'd be given a playlist and that's it but yeah. they they, Do they just that's it you but they're like going you, like you seem to know what you're doing go yeah. go, go nuts and then sometimes you'd have fallouts with the producer about a certain song uh, but well, there'll good, be but, a wee, but the, but a wee word in it or something maybe no something. but that's good but that's good like yeah. i mean like you should you should be having like healthy healthy debates over uh, what what a show is because uh, it makes it better do you yeah, know uh, yeah um you're always reviewing it aren't you yeah, you're always, yeah. You're, but you're, you should always be reviewing to a certain level like not yeah. to a certain level where you'll criticize yourself into uh, the ground but uh, you should you should always be sort of like going right can i make it better or yeah what what's like you know what's like what's going to freshen it up or uh, and you're or that. like for people out there you know being i suppose in, in the, the 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 bowel or the heartbeat of radio one there'd be a lot of people around you obviously coming in and saying you know this mm. that nor look let's just come in or let's just come in how do you an approach for it because what people need to know you're a rural man from umma that you know, uh, started and uh, as you say, the short presentations to now being out in front of loads of people, and uh, I suppose it brings its own pressures. Yeah, you you, you learn a lot, like um, coming through, and and I think like the the first maybe year or two that you're there, you're saying yes to probably more things than you should be, and you're out out working more than you should be, and you're like I was I set up a record label all around the same time as this yeah. as well. And I, I burnt myself out to the point I was having panic attacks and having anxiety attacks and yeah. my mental health was a really bad a bad um, ebb. And that was like being in the middle of Radio 1, like probably about maybe two, three years in. Because I'd, I'd completely ran myself into the ground. Yeah. Um, you thought you could do more than I, you know, I, was possible. I, I felt yeah. like I had an opportunity and that if I didn't do it now, then I would never get to do it. Uh, but I was trying to do everything at yeah. the same time. And it was... It was a really bad, bad uh, like just a, couple a, of years. Uh, it was just a, a time of, uh, and I suppose what people out there should know, and, and sometimes in, in the whole uh, creative world you were in, that you could be out 24 hours a day. You could be, you know, and if you're on the label and you're trying to run your show and there's piles of people telling you, about don't do this, 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 and you have to be there for meetings and all these things, yeah. and you're running, because I know you ran out lots of bands. Uh, um, the Touts were one of the bands, you know. Love that band. and, uh, uh, but the likes of... Uh, that time then. So how did you sort of come out of that time or was it something you just thought... Oh, I can barely remember. Uh, I, I, uh, there's a couple of years there and it's it's not from like, you know, um, alcohol abuse or yeah. anything like that. It's just everything was so busy yeah. that like you never really had like a minute to actually just take it in because it was a case of... Um, working four jobs and then working all weekend. Uh, and like, how did I not? How did and I, your own club night too. Uh, club was night, that time club as well. night and stuff yeah. as well. Was, Slacker and all. That was actually more difficult to run than all the rest of them put together. <laughs> Jeez, I'm, I'm sure you well know, <laughs> Paddy. Like, yeah, yeah. like doing a show to a few million people wasn't uh, that, wasn't anywhere near as hard as, as doing, running a flipping <laughs> club night to 500. That was a nightmare. I know. And, uh, so uh, you're telling people out there, stick to being uh, the, what you're good at and don't do, try and do everything. Like, you, like you can you can spread it out a wee bit, but like you need to like just remember to have time to do nothing. Yeah, because if you yeah. don't do nothing, and you don't TV shows as well, and all that time, you know, <laughs> getting uh, tired thinking about it now. Uh, I couldn't do that now. Like I just like I, I I still do a lot of different things, and I not I do about eight or nine radio shows a week. Um, and do wee bits and pieces well, in that's, between. Well, that's a lot too. Like, yeah, and but, your podcast but, but I can, you do as well. I can like, manage it. Like, I can manage uh, it now. It's muscle memory from, for a lot of it because, uh, like, I've been doing it a lot. Uh, but at that stage when you're just beginning, it's not muscle memory. And when you start doing it, adrenaline anything, to start. Adrenaline. Aye. I want to do as much as possible. I want to get involved as much as possible. It's the right feeling, but 
done in the wrong way. Uh, if you know what I mean. And at, at that time, then you just when you're saying about your label and, and being working in Radio One, obviously pluggers would have been in and different labels would have been sending stuff into you and all that goes with that. Did that give you an opportunity? Because I know we'll come to it after about your book, but did that give you an opportunity to see how the industry worked from say um, uh, something arriving at your desk, how to be listened to, who would listen to it, uh, where you try and place it or not place it. Uh, and the person that took that on maybe it was me and had other yeah. acts. You know, you want to listen to this act from Croydon or this act from Birmingham or Belfast or Derry or whatever uh -huh. it is. Um, how did this, how did that all, all how does that all go for you and the whole setup? You, I think when you go into the belly of the beast, the radio, you you start learning more about the music industry, um, just generally. But I had a fair decent interest in it because I'd played in a band for such a long time and had tried to get my band signed to labels and we'd almost got signed yeah. to labels and we'd had our ups and our downs and yeah. we'd played big gigs. The band is Clenzo Parade, Clenzo for people Parade, to yeah. know that. Yeah. yeah, still on Spotify. Uh, give us that not point not 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 7p. Uh, uh, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> You've been played 5 million and 50 times <laughs> and you made 12p last week, you're loaded. That's terrible, isn't it? Exactly, get, get the 10p mix up and stick, <laughs> stick the 2p in the slot machine down by the door. Um, but uh I had a big interest in it anyway because I'd spent the from about fourteen till about twenty four trying to figure it out. Yeah. Um. And anybody who says they've figured out is full of crap. Like, because it's, it's you, always it, it's it always, always evolving. Uh, it's always evolving. It's always isn't evolving. It? Yeah, yeah. And the wheel always seems to pull an R. E. Cogan, doesn't it? Well, to <laughs> learn, learn more. No, isn't that right? Like, it seems to be like if, if it's it a wheel full of spokes, you would learn too many spokes, and then somebody turn the wheel, and then that next half of the spokes is just a completely different machine. That's it. Like, yeah. and, and that's just symptomatic of the age that we live in as well. Like, I mean, you could have bought a music industry book in nineteen. 70 and it'd be pretty much the same stuff that you would have need to have known up until about 1997 yeah. uh, because it was like the, the, the same sort of media and it was the same sort of people that you same, were speaking uh, about butter churner just doing yeah. the same old the same old internet came and revolutionized it for the good yeah um because it meant that democracy started to rule a little bit where people who weren't signed could start to get a big fan base and start to sort of dictate and live on their own Merits. On, the, on their own merits rather yeah. than having to um, be shooed in by um, a, a, a record company executive or yeah. or an A&R man. So yeah, like I mean, when you work in Radio 1, you, de you definitely start hanging about people from record labels and yeah. you learn way more about it. And I, think, I guess I think I learned probably more in the first couple of years there than I did at any point before that. I am. And uh, do you think that... Uh that has changed now in Northern Ireland, that type of information for people to get access to and the, the way the industry's moving at the minute. Phil, what do you think? Or is, yeah. or is there still a need for, I suppose, to, do people still need to move, what I'm saying, to London to gain no. the expertise? No. No, no I think... Or like, Brighton, where you used to live yeah, as well. Yeah, I lived in yeah. Brighton. But like, you know, I, there's, I have a couple of friends that are living in Dublin and I'm like, oh, it's more expensive to live in Dublin than it is in London. Just move yeah. back up a road to Belfast. It's, like, it's a quarter of the price of the rent. Aye. Um, it's shocking down there isn't yeah it, it yeah. is it is but that's like you know god it's uh <laughs> we're, we're not going to sort that out in the uh, podcast today no but um uh, but i think like bring back the punt bring back the punt <laughs> <laughs> get the stag back uh, all them young people are like, what's that is that what's the, the punt what did he say <laughs> he can't say that <laughs> did he say pun or punt uh, well that's you'll have to work out you know uh, um but no yeah i don't think you i don't think you do have to to, to necessarily go away and uh, actually sadly what i can see is the some the most successful young irish musicians at the moment like fontaine's dc yeah um kojak um uh, April, uh, the three acts that are doing really big things, signed to big labels, doing, doing making big waves. 
we're all happy in Dublin, but I had to leave, and now now they're in London. But that's a, oh. I, I think that's not a we're going to make it. I think that's a we can't afford to live in Dublin thing. So I think uh, that's different. But if you're in yeah. ba- if you're in Belfast, but like it will be far cheaper for you to spend that forty quid over and back on a flight once a fortnight than it would to, <laughs> yeah, to pay yeah. £1,500 a month rent. Yeah, yeah, and because you're paying that £1,500, you have to earn that £1,500, imagine. And if you're out there among thousands, possibly tens of thousands... Yeah, probably, you, uh, probably. ...of other musicians, it's hard a road to cut through, you know what I mean? Exactly, and, uh, yeah. And so what do you think <clears throat> the state of independent music is, well, you I know, still the think records it, and I stuff? I still think it's good for people to get away and live other places and stuff. Yeah. Like, I... I, I'm not uh, for any stretch of the imagination saying, you know, you should just ever t- to stay somewhere. Like you should go and live somewhere for a year or two. And if you don't like it, come back. Like it broadens your horizon in, in, in the in the long run. But like, yeah, in terms of the music industry, you can do it from, from wherever you can get Wi-Fi and, and some good, good, uh, good um, sound. But like yeah, and, and when it comes to like independence, it's hard, man. Like yeah. I, I mean, my, my record label was independent to start off with and then it went through sony as a joint venture yeah and then it went back to being independent and we um took the money that sony gave us spent it all on music made them back absolutely nothing and got sent out <laughs> <laughs> you made um, the waiting so, sc- you made the waiting round didn't share it doesn't them. matter we have yeah. we have about 15 bands out and they wouldn't have yeah. got their stuff out without it yeah. and whether it made them whether it made sony any money back <laughs> i couldn't give it damn as long uh, as they weren't coming after us for uh, it like um so we went uh, we went independent again um and that's when the label started doing quite successfully because when you've got nothing you gotta make it run. Yeah. Well, you, nothing has to stretch far uh, <laughs> so, you made a stretch uh, we made a stretch uh, and we uh, signed a couple of artists that did, did all right um yeah because you you just didn't sign artists from here do you want to mention some mm. of the artists that you'd signed at that time who had we signed like we like we we did a single with reggie snow we did uh two EPs with uh, Rat Boy. We did uh, a band called In Heaven, who've now split up, but they were absolutely brilliant band. Um, a guy called Rhodes, um, we did his early stuff. Uh, this girl called Wilds, who's probably our most successful artist in terms of like streams and things like that. And she's she's a wonderful singer-songwriter. And then um, the the rotten apple core of my eye, uh, the three gimps from touts up in Derry. that's right <laughs> i love that band like <coughs> yeah and yeah. they have an album getting ready to come out again from what i hear well they've 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 they've, they've had one all right and they were like this isn't good enough so they they scratched it and then they've recorded another one and it's they've recorded it with caro daugherty up in donegal and it's brilliant yeah because caro was in here and he was talking briefly about yeah. and wally you know wally yeah, yeah. wally was talking briefly about it too i don't know if he'd done a piece on uh, one of the songs it's 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 it's, it's brilliant like uh, it's really good it's not even a punk rock record uh, well, <laughs> that's, that's what shocked me uh should we tell the world that no it's a punk record <laughs> it's a punk record <clears throat> it's full of punky say none and uh so in 2018 you started slacker podcast and i thank you for coming yeah. on for me you're a far more experienced podcaster <laughs> than myself and a far more experienced presenter all right but uh you're doing a pretty good job of it here Patty. oh thank you very much uh um could you uh what your podcast felt um you get a musician and you talk about like we're doing here about their life and their music and uh and maybe their albums and classic albums because you interview a lot of big names out there so how did that start for you was it something you just thought I think I'll do this. Or did you pick it up around? Did you listen to other podcasts or was it something you thought I could do better than that? I started it because Radio 1 at that point weren't giving me the opportunity to do the interviews with the people that I wanted to do them with. So yeah, I just decided I just decided then that if that wasn't going to be 
something i didn't want to sit on my hands in like the peak of like my broadcasting point at what, what i thought at the time anyway um and i was just like well i was going to do it myself then yeah if you're not going if, if i'm not going to get the opportunity here i'll just do it myself and i mean that threw up <laughs> that threw up problems in itself but it ended up being okay so yeah. it's it's fine it is, is, i suppose it was really one is that one of the places where say like you're you're up there with um with uh, all the big uh, presenters at that time, you were a uh, face off. It is that something then exterior work that you do outside? Did it become you know? Is that what you mean there with the podcast that you couldn't put it out because they thought, oh, look, you're in Radio One, you shouldn't be. It was it was before a lot of everybody else. It was basically before all the rest of the world started doing podcasts. It was just before the real the real the real like podcast push that happened. Maybe about, about six months really after. Yeah. Um. So it was kind of fine. Um. But that, at that left time. you in a leading position because. You have won awards as the uh, as a uh, music awards for your podcast. You know, <laughs> I can't even right? remember which one. Ah, the, ah, the Mammy Award. Ah, I think it's the second most. My sister's podcast won ah, last year, like, ah, but I think I, <laughs> I might have it next year. <laughs> but um, no, the the podcast was something I wanted to do because I wanted to do long form interviews, and I wasn't getting the, the scratch to do it um, where I was. And I asked, could I do it? And they said yes. So I went ahead and I did my. F- who were the first couple with they were like with uh the cribs and manic street preachers and um uh little sims and uh god there was tons like i've done about Mm. 70 of them now and i thought like a good mechanic for the interview would be to to play their first ever demo on the podcast because it brings that band out of media training and it mm. brings them back to the mental space of what it was when like when they were just starting, when they which is a more play. a more honest and more yeah. pure place to uh-huh. start a conversation Brilliant. than somebody who's just coming in in the middle of like the fifth fifty million fifth, singles, so, yeah, fifth yeah. interview yeah. of their ninth album. Yeah. It's just nice to bring it back. Yeah. And I think one of the the, the the sweetest moments that I had in that was um, I was doing one with Pete Doherty and. He actually, it's weird because like, you know, you see Pete Doherty as like a, as quite a scatty sort of like person who like, you know, is all over the place and you'd, you, you, you'd be, you'd imagine like he probably loses his passport every other day. That sort <laughs> like of me with these here. Yeah, you glasses. <laughs> like, on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he. I thought I lost you earlier on too, but you know, just around the bottom and you were sitting down. <laughs> he, um. He had he has all the hard drives for all the early like libertine stuff from the the beginning, and he brought in not not one of their first demos, but a, a very early demo of Can't Stand Me Now, which ended up being one of their biggest songs. Yeah, and he sat there with his eyes closed, and I swear he was crying because he never actually listened to it back from the start, and the lyrics were different, and and he like he would he's a very sensitive soul. There you go, and I just like I had a real moment just watching him listen to it back, and I was like, this is a very pure. Moment, yeah. I'm sure it hits like, you too. Oh, uh, god, yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm fairly empathetic, so if yeah. somebody starts crying, I'll probably start going as well. I'm like a baby <laughs> in a restaurant, like, <laughs> don't start, I'll start with you now. <laughs> Sorry, just turn off the cameras a minute there and turn off the mics in five minutes to me and follow a good cry. <laughs> People downstairs will be like, going, they were singing Janice Joplin about two minutes ago, and now they're upstairs crying. What's going on? <laughs> to all the girls I love before, <laughs> we're giving it out there. So, uh, so see, um, and you know. And then the likes of them interviews, you know, you're getting in touch with these people and all, um, right. because you're at a level now that you can contact them and they'll go, yep, and like you can just rhyme off X, Y and Z, you know, but how do they feel then uh, about returning to that first demo or that early moment? Some of them are a little bit sheepish about it and, and some of them won't. A so, do you mean, do you think some of uh, don't want anybody to hear that? I think, yeah, I've, I've definitely had that. I've had so, some acts that have been 
have given me stuff that's meant to be their first demo yeah. and it's as more their first demo as like you know flipping their first album is because uh, um, they i don't know maybe they don't don't feel it's like polished enough but the whole idea of it is that it's not meant it's to, raw it's, it's raw. meant to be raw it's meant to it's sound raw. like a dictaphone uh, no. a tape to the side of a shed like uh, no. um and that's the whole like ethos of the of the podcast really and some people really lean into it they'll give you it and then some people don't and then some people want to come on the podcast but they don't want to play the demo and i've done that maybe once or twice and yeah i prefer not to like but yeah because it takes away from the heart of what you but, want but what it is uh, yeah, yeah and I, I i've slowed down with it a little bit like over the the last year or so um to get after leaving radio one you know like the but you were serious no it's not right yeah so how sir. you pronounce that <laughs> would you want to hear something right i don't want to pronounce it like a country that's all serious xm <laughs> it's serious xm yeah so the serious xm is like the they've about 35 million subscribers across us and canada and their satellite the satellite station um so like they like this the states are so big that they don't have a national broadcaster the same way that we would because you know we're all in the same time zone so like you know for, that it's pretty easy for us all to listen to the same thing at go. the same time but like america doesn't really have that but sirius is that like it's a satellite station it's commercial and i do a drive time alternative music show um on it and okay guess what when i was driving down today i got a phone call from them so the, the show was meant to go out at 9 p.m and we're recording this at half seven and i recorded um, the show for today yesterday so i did a pre-record and i got a phone call from them which i never i never get because i always send it to them in the morning and they were like you haven't sent us your show and i forgot to send them the show for tuesday and it's the first time i've ever done it and i was too far down the road to drive back up to do it so i was just like oh, no well, there we go I mean, oh. i've got in the shit for for for, for, oh. for, for this today oh no <laughs> i hope i didn't have make that happen no know? no my, my absent-mindedness did it that made it happen so uh, that's that's my fault but listen i've got a holiday next week i like this is the this is the sign yeah. this is the sign yeah. your boy needs to go and take five, uh, five days off and uh, come so back you go on a wee break uh, you need a wee break. Yeah, uh, you need a wee break. So you're going to the beach or the mountains or the going, fresh air or what are I'm we? Going to, or are you going to just lie back in some sunny place and go, oh, look at me, I'm, I'm just lying back in the old sunburn. I'm you know gonna, <laughs> I can't see you doing that. I'm going to go I'm gonna go surfing in Portugal. That's deadly. Yeah, I've never, been, I've never been surfing before, but sure we'll see. <laughs> I, I, but I mean, sure, uh, will you do any pre-training on it, you know, beforehand? You know? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Straight Absolutely in not. there. Straight in there. Straight in there. Well, send up me up the, you, you up send the me big boys. Send me what you value, you know, you and Rodriguez and all. Ding 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 how does that feel now, you know, you know, because obviously you've total control there? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, good. Like, I mean, SiriusXM is the same place that Howard Stern does his shows. And he's the biggest broadcaster in the whole of the world, really. Um, has, so, it, has it helped? Have you got It's good, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, like the, the yeah, like, I mean, the, the boring stuff, like social media and stuff, they seem to be, and, and the, the reaction to it's been, been great. That's good. So I do, I do it five days a week and then I do Radio Ulster on Friday and then I do uh, my Spotify shows, which are my own shows. And the, the the sort of uh the show that i do chill the beats yeah. which is like a 
It's kind of like the Chillest show that I did on Radio 1, but I've developed it into something that I think They kept I that think show better. going. People should know that your concept was kept going. I was, uh, yeah, I was a bit ripping at that. I, like I just want to put that in there. Just, <laughs> so what people, what that means for people, if I'm talking too fast, is Phil come up with a concept and he was ripped off, right? Uh, how was he ripped off, Patrick or Patty or Pat? I was thinking earlier on yeah. for yourself, you know, I have three bangs. You've got Philip, Phil and Philly. Yeah. So I'm glad of somebody across me with Pat, triple name. Pat, yeah. Patrick and Patty. There you go. There you go. And then Philip. <laughs> Philly and Phil there you go yeah. so three passports each we have one is Phil Rodriguez yeah you <laughs> can buy the other two <laughs> Phil Tiger and <laughs> Philly the Bull right uh, so going back to what we were chatting there just saying about uh, audiences online and stuff and it being massive is that something like yet again going back to your podcast you were ahead of the game with Radio 1 and uh, wanting to do them and now all of a sudden you're on the online platform that's mm. huge uh, how does that sort of uh, match compared to the other because you still get that organicness going to Radio Ulster yeah. and them shows. So, what, and how did you go about that, Phil? Just it's uh, I don't know. Like the radio one, you it's a it's a big base. It's a it's the biggest youth station in Europe and and like the biggest new music station and probably in the world. Like um, in terms of how it treats new music, um, and you know you're you're scared to leave it when when you do. But actually, when you the moment you do leave it, it felt like a little bit of a relief to me. I felt like. I was ready to do new stuff. I'd spent a good 10, 11 years. Yeah. You put like in a lot, you put in put, a good I, long I gave, shift. Yeah, I gave them, I gave the Radio 1 as much as I as I could. Uh, and I got a lot out of it as uh, well. And I, I'm very proud. I met a lot of friends and met colleagues. Met a lot of friends and, and yeah, massively proud of um, yeah. everything that, that went on. And you I, achieved I got great to be things there. It was really, you know. it was really great. And I, I was quite scared of like, you know, if you've been in a relationship for a long time or if you've been like working one place for a long time, you're scared about what what's out there. And I mean, the first couple of months, I was a little bit like, "Oh God, what what, what am I doing now?" And it all started to fall into place. And now, mm. now I'm doing I'm doing more radio <clears throat> than I was doing beforehand. And I, I feel content, and I feel a little nah. bit more chilled. Uh, like, yeah. I, I mean, part of that is moving back to Ireland as yeah, well. Like, I, yeah. like I feel like you know, because you look content and chilled there. I, well, Even for those listening on Spotify, mark my words, and I'm not a, a, a wee white liar. <laughs> he looks full, looks totally content, and I'm looking to be right, totally content, totally content, totally content. <laughs> See, so it's all around, totally yeah. content. And uh, but so, what's this kind of? Uh, no sense to someone like yourself that's always been creative, asking about the future. But do you, for young people out there, just I suppose going back to them that maybe want to get an inroads into the creative industries as such. Mm. Uh, um, two things I would ask, how do they get into it? And uh, just after that, what's your favorite mode? Is it TV, radio or, you know, presenting? And uh, what's I, I would say like uh, off the top of that, like probably just radio and, and broadcasting is yeah. definitely my favorite yeah. out, of, out of all of them. And like the, the, the best way for you to, to get in any, in any sort of like creative industry is by, first of all, showing up to wherever the creative industry is and whatever uh, medium and, that's uh, yeah and whatever yeah. medium that is like whether it's um i don't know like engineering yeah. whether it's um sculpting yeah. well, well it, does, it doesn't matter what it is like um go and show up and learn and if there's classes go to the classes if the, if there's extras to be done help them pack away the brushes yeah. help them pack away the gear yeah um and and go and do all of the the not glamorous stuff yeah because you need to learn because when you do all the not glamorous stuff and you still enjoy it that means that that you'll enjoy it when, yeah. when it gets to all the glamorous well, it gets stuff a bit smoother yeah ah, do you know, know what i mean right. clean the toilet before you yeah. go on the toilet like, I've, I've seen a lot of people come in to radio and expect to be interviewing noel gallagher tomorrow or people who've come to play gigs yeah and they're wondering why they're not headlining after they've not, never put a song out I know. and you're like yeah yeah like 
I know that there's a, a, a you know young people today have a have a really bad stigma around them about wanting everything now. But the reason that that's the case is because if you go in and you learn all that sort of stuff, you're better at it then. Uh, yeah. Like you, you, yeah. Like you're not ready for it now because if, <laughs> yeah. you, if you get thrown in too early, you're going to drown. Yeah. So you need to, you need to. And like, I'm sure that's happened many individuals I, I, going to Radio I, 1 it's or happened, any, It's any. happened to me trying to start, I've tried to start various different projects here and there. Like the projects we talked about today are only the ones that like went over. Uh, uh, but there's plenty of projects uh, that I started and had in the baldy what it was at and uh, ended up having to pull the pin on or was just like, I was just like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Well, I, I was you know? once asked uh, uh, on radio, mm. are you making this up as you go along? And my answer was, well, nobody says I'm doing it wrong. So maybe you're, that's your answer there. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and it wasn't you asked it to me. It was one of your colleagues. Yeah. And I think he didn't expect that answer, you know. It's <laughs> <laughs> a pretty good answer. That's well, a good answer. Uh, it's a dangerous answer. Yeah. You're looking after loads of people. Uh, <laughs> now, Phil, you have a book out as well Hi. about the music industry. Um, um, Oh, okay. I mean, the name's Slacker, is this, it's, Slacker's, uh, Slacker, Slacker's Guide to the Slacker's Music guide Industry. To the, Slacker's Guide to the Music Industry. So, like, I mean, I don't know anything about the music industry. I know little bits and pieces, but uh, I was in a sort of sweet spot where, where I was in London, and I was, like, I knew a lot of bands and a lot of artists from Will Fallis to Slaves to Loyal Carner, Lil Sims to Run the Jewels to Flipping Blossoms, George Ezra. Um, All bands uh, that are flying. Yeah, Will flying. Fallis and Blossoms are flying yeah, out. Absolutely oh, flying. Run, flying. Run the Jewels, one of the biggest hip hop groups in the yeah. whole world. And I got all of them for 20 chapters and I asked them various different things that you would never hear them ask in an interview because it was all about the music industry and it was all about DIY. It was all about how they got their first song played on the radio, how they um, signed their first publishing deal, like what what they were thinking when they were doing their first like photo shoot. It, it yeah. goes into really great detail. But on top of the the bands, they ha I had the best record label people and I had the, the best publishers, um, the best um, online PR people. And I gathered up at 75 people, I think, into the book. And it was the like, at that time the best people talking about the stuff that it was up to date news. To, it massive, was, it massive, wasn't what we were talking about earlier on. Yeah, Alfie's a promoter, you know, nineteen seventy eight promoter. Yeah, you know, no, it was, it know, was all. I the, touched the feet of Phil Leonard, you know. <laughs> I did you? I did. You know, do you yeah. know what I mean by that? You know, it was all. Yeah, all these people, and that was important. Like all these people at that, like were were at the the forefront of what they were doing and they were young at what they were doing as well. So they had the, the, the eager, foresight of what it. Eager. Yeah, and I'd, yeah. Lo I'd love to be, I'd like donate the a record books down to uh, down to here. Like. Respect that. Yeah, yeah. Respect. And I wasn't I'd, asking free for them, you know No, what I'd, I'd love to. Because I always to. ask people for things, you know, when no, they No, no, but I'd, 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 I'd love to send a couple of books. <laughs> I'd love to send a couple of books down <laughs> for anybody that'll good? read it. Like, yeah. <clears throat> no, they would, because uh, I know what it could create. It'll save me getting them pulped. There's only one twelfth of years. But, or the 15th, or whatever you want. But, so, what's the plans now for yourself? Is it just more creativity and more movement and, uh, you know, getting on with new stuff. And, oh, yeah. and do you think the create, uh, the creative world's, uh, I know that I'm hoping the venues come back and different things, uh, for you DJing, it's important. I would imagine that a lot mm. of places come back and you've you're like, I should have said earlier on, you've DJed in Ibiza and Camden, uh, Aye, you know, different they're... places. Like, Aye, and I, I feel like that, that, that part of what I was doing, like, you know, traveling all around 
it was enjoyable at the time and I still want to do a bit of DJing here and there and everywhere but like yeah uh, I'll probably like not do it as, as heavy as I, as I did uh, it beforehand but I there's there's, <clears throat> there's a couple of different things <clears throat> that I'm looking at at the minute um like the, the like uh, towards the end of the year like the the live streaming stuff with twitch and thing is is something I'm going to get moving um October November time because it's something I've been thinking about for about maybe a year and I've been trying to figure out what the right thing is for it and I've now figured out what it is and that'll be based around my Chill the Beat show, which is yeah. uh, on, uh, available to listen to on Spotify now. Uh, um, yeah, well, hold on, we'll, do, we'll do it in style, right? We we'll do it in style <laughs> around here, right? Because obviously there's no ads in any of the bottles. Well, you're you're adding away there. Don't <laughs> 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 and see that ad. Just if anybody's out there out there, that you'd be sponsoring Phil and Paddy's uh, yeah. <laughs> podcast. Uh, so uh, tell the world then uh, what it's going to be like and. Uh, how it's going to be and how it's going to feel and then tell the world about Spotify and podcast. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like uh, I, I've got a couple of ideas for a few things. The, the weirdest one of, of which will be on Radio 4 next year and it's not music based. It's the oh, first is it like a talking thing? No, it's a it's a sketch show that I've written with, with one of my mates. and Mackie. <laughs> right. What I should say there, right. Um, I wanted to bring him up because I've flashed through there and yeah. as you say, like I have my phone there or whatever. Uh, but uh, so... Mickey McCullough and Nathan Reagan yeah. uh, run a Mad Notions podcast. Great podcast. So, yeah. and, uh, so they've been going for a long time and they've got loads of people, I think, listening in. And uh, But what people should know is they're both musicians. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but another side of, of Mickey is, um, which uh, is in some rural people and it's called Mad Buck Idiot Syndrome, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> very, very well said. And, uh, what Mad Buck Idiot Syndrome is, Patrick, tell the world. Well, Mad Buck Idiot Syndrome is I suffer a bit from it. I think, Phil, you suffer a bit from it. And, I've recovered. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> you and Mickey have it. Uh, 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 my name's Phil. I recovered from Mad Buck Syndrome. <laughs> so, so uh, <laughs> I don't know what sounds uh, a bit naughty there. Mad Buck Syndrome, Jesus Christ. Uh, but, Phil, uh, you and Mickey are big pals and you just love the crack, right? Aye. And um, and Nathan and Mickey are wild crack. And I hope, hope someday maybe we'd chat to them too. So uh, I know you can't tell people what it's about, but I am aware that um, Mickey and we, Tony, uh, Tony Wright, yeah. done the uh, thing together. And I know that, I think, I was talking to Mickey uh, up at the Standall Festival and he was Slightly, I don't know, a standard, maybe a maginous, and maybe it's a ghost of <laughs> Mickey. Have you got a double or what? I think it was you. Uh, and if it wasn't you, the it's guy probably was probably just some laddie out Mickey, of a bin. The other guy was doing the double in his name. <laughs> so, uh, can you tell the world a wee bit about it? Or, because uh, it's just like, uh, I, said, I mean, there's not, there's not that much to be said at the minute because it's not that we're, we're, we're writing it at the minute, but it's just we, we project. I mean, Mick started in the middle of a pandemic and, uh, and we're we're try we're working really hard, and hopefully something will come of it next year. Brilliant! But it's just yeah, at the minute it's just. Uh, how does them? Sorry, just, just for me. Out. How does them radio them type them vocal ones work? Like, is it an hour long, or or is it like you know the one that's going forever? I think it's going since the, the Archers. The, I I think it's going since Earth was formed. Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> we're we're writing the sequel to the Archers. <laughs> so well, Mickey's writing, and I just lie back and just like let him do it and take and, all the and glory. And so do you get sort of do you take <laughs> characters or what or or or, or Look, we're trying to figure. Out, right, Paddy. We have, uh, like it's it's too early. It's too early in the in the production for us to even say uh, what it is at the minute because uh, we we don't really know. It's a, it's just us like, doing 
just working together on something for the first time in, in years and years and years and enjoying but ourselves. But the world should know that you and your best friends. Aye. Uh, aye. I have been since. This is about 13 uh, now. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's good, uh, good to be working together on, on something. And it's we'll probably kick the head out of each other. Uh, no, no, no. But <laughs> that's, you, uh, that's what <laughs> best friends do. <laughs> so uh, which one's going to be the ball? <laughs> ball McCullough? <laughs> ball Taggart? Who is it going to be? <laughs> uh, Radio 4. Bull Taggart. <laughs> and Bull McCullough. <laughs> Movable force. And throw in young Heifer Reagan there just to take him along for the ride. You, well, you've heard it. You've heard it. You've heard the show. So uh, I tell you what, man, it's been the best crack talking to you. Um, I could talk all night. But what I will say is uh, it was great uh, having you and taking the time out because if people were listening there, you are one busy individual uh, and uh, uh, tell the world to listen out for the Radio 4 <laughs> 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 it's coming up soon Mickey and, uh, but uh, Mickey I want to have some theme music so, well, but, he, he uh, wants his own interview down here now <laughs> you'll have to get him down uh, we'll get the writer down in the script and, but uh, Paul it's been brilliant having you, Thank uh, you thanks having very me. much and I uh, uh, hope that you enjoyed being down and hopefully someday we'll chat again and I might chat reverse chat to you someday I'll get you uh, on mine and, uh, that's deadly and uh, so I'll go back to my first demo. <laughs> we should finish this year with a, a country song, but we're not. We're going to finish it with a serpent song. So thank you very much for the Small But Massive podcast. Uh, thank you very much for Phil. Thank you very much for Tierney. Uh, thank you very much for Nathan, uh, Kayleen and Stella. And thank you very much, everybody, for listening. And as I said, Phil's got his own Slacker podcast. Mickey McCullough and Nathan have their own Mad Notions podcast. Yeah. With a name like that, them boys might be a bit rowdy, do you think? I Phil? think they might be. I think, <laughs> I think they might be. be. <laughs> so thank you very much for listening. Phil, give yourself a round of applause. Small but massive for life. Thank you very much, brother.